from the corner of 16th and Peachtree Street, right next to the High Museum of Art in Midtown Atlanta, welcome to the First Presbyterian Church. I'm Senior Pastor Tony Sundermeyer, and I want to thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. And I would invite you now to join us in the worship of God. Our first reading of scripture is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 50, verses 4 through 9. Hear now the word of the Lord. The Lord God has given me the tongue of a teacher, that I may know how to sustain the weary with a word. Morning by morning he wakens, wakens my ear to listen to those, as those who are taught. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious. I did not turn backwards. I gave my back to those who struck me, and my cheeks to those who pulled out the beard. I did not hide my face from insult and spitting. The Lord God helps me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like flint. And I know that I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up together. Who are my adversaries? Let them comfort me. It is the Lord God who helps me, who will declare me guilty. All of them will wear out like a garment. The moth will eat them up. Thank you, Chaz. At this time, I'd like to invite all the children who are third grade and younger to come over to this door and meet, who's over there, Miss Sarah Kate, to go to Godly Play. And if you didn't get one on your way in this morning, before you leave church today, make sure you get a palm branch. They'll look like this, but maybe a little bit smaller. And you can take it home with you and play with it all day and keep it forever. One quick worship note that didn't make it into the announcements before I turn to our second reading. Our last hymn today is written as if you sing the refrain and then a verse and then the refrain. We're not going to do it that way. We're going to sing the refrain, all the verses, and then the refrain. Can you all do that? Okay. You'll recognize it. It's just a closer walk with thee, but refrain versus refrain. Jens, is that good with you? Okay. And now we turn to our New Testament lesson for the morning, which is the lectionary for today. It is Mark's telling of the Palm Sunday story from chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. Hear again God's word. When they were approaching Jerusalem at Bethphage and Bethany near the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately as you enter it, you'll find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Just say this, the Lord needs it, and we'll send it back here immediately. They went away and found a colt tied near a door outside in the street. As they were untying it, some of the bystanders said to them, what are you doing, untying the colt? 
They told them what Jesus had said, and they allowed them to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. Then those who went ahead and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Then Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. God, from this old story, speak a new word to us this morning, that we might leave this time of worship better prepared to follow you as disciples our whole lives long. Amen. Well, friends, here we are on our second Palm Sunday during this COVID time. Last year, no one was in these pews, and this year we have some folks here in the room and others joining on TV screens or computers or later in the week. And after this whole strange year, I find myself a little bit nostalgic for our traditions on Palm Sunday. I've even been thinking this week about how much I loved Palm Sunday as a kid. Although I think it was probably my third favorite church day because it did not beat out Christmas and Easter. But on Palm Sunday, well, they gave you a palm to take home. You got to keep it. And everyone loves to get something that you get to take home, right? No matter how old you are, you all are free to take a palm as you go as well. And when I was a kid, we got to march through the church, waving our palms and bopping our neighbors in the head and looking for our parents in the pews. My home church has a long center aisle. So as a little kid standing in the narthex, I looked way down there and I thought, this is a very important walk that we have to do. It's long and we're doing this to march for Jesus, to cheer him on his way. And then we filled into risers at the front of the sanctuary and we sang a song about Jesus, our king on a donkey, not having any idea how ironic it is that Jesus, the savior of the world, enters the royal city on a donkey. I was so happy to have some children back in worship this morning. And I miss that same tradition that we do a version of here at this church usually. Maybe some of the parents don't miss it, but I miss having the kids wave their branches and sing and go around these pews in circle, even if they don't quite understand either that Jesus is turning kingship on its head as he rides in on a donkey. I miss their little voices singing, and I, I miss them waving to the parents, and I miss you parents taking sneaky cell phone videos from the pews I even miss it when one of them goes too far with the swatting and their tears and our wonderful Sunday school teachers suddenly say, well, that's the end of our royal procession. We'll go back and have some goldfish crackers for snack. Those are the voices I most associate with Palm Sunday, voices that are joyful, voices that are celebrating that Jesus is coming to town. After all, really everything we've been taught about this day makes us think of it as a day of triumph. If you look up this scripture from Mark in your Bible, your physical Bible, or even on an app on your phone, 
there's probably a heading, a little title there above Mark 11 that says, Jesus's triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Spoiler alert, that heading is not in the original text. Someone added it as a label later, but the fact that it's been labeled this way is why we think of this story, and churches have for a long time, as a victory parade, a day when Jesus, our triumphant king, rides into the royal city. I realized as I was thinking about this text for the last couple of weeks that I've often even lumped Palm Sunday right on in with Easter, almost as if today is kind of the pre-party for next week, Easter Sunday, and their celebration bookends with the harder journey of Holy Week in the middle. And in some gospels, it sort of reads that way. This story or some version of it appears in each of the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And because these gospel writers have different voices and focus on different things, they sort of present it a little differently. Luke emphasizes Jesus as teacher and prophet, and the disciples have a great shout of joy, but then Jesus weeps for the city of Jerusalem. Matthew is focused on Jesus as king in his version, but of course a different kind of king than the world has ever known. But in John's gospel, this is a triumphant scene, quite a lot like a parade. John describes a great crowd that has gathered in Jerusalem for the festival of Passover and actually mentions that people go out and take branches right off the palm trees and they run out to greet Jesus, shouting, Hosanna. But here today, on our second pandemic Palm Sunday, we have in front of us Mark's gospel, and that seems appropriate. In a time when our traditions have been disrupted, we read the gospel that's maybe the least like the Palm Sunday images we have in our memories. But when we can't hear the little voices of children singing around us, maybe we can hear in a quieter space a set of voices, maybe unexpected ones, speaking from this story. In the typical way of Mark's whole gospel, his version of this scene is light on details and heavy on urgency. Mark is always propelling the story forward, getting us through the story of Christ's life and ministry and now his walk toward death on a cross. Even though we have that heading, Jesus' triumphal entry, Mark's gospel doesn't describe much of a celebration. Mark even hardly makes this into an event, really. So in this text, it's not so much that we're experiencing a parade as we're in a transitional passage. Mark isn't dwelling on it, but is more concerned about getting Jesus into Jerusalem, where he will complete his earthly ministry and fulfill God's purpose for the world. The triumphal entry isn't all that triumphant. It's more like Jesus riding through some people on his way to the temple and on into the last week of his life. Now, there are some details here. You heard particularly a lot for Mark about the donkey. Now, maybe some of these details took more prominence for the other gospel writers, but Jesus, as he's approaching Jerusalem, sends two disciples up ahead to pick up a colt that has somehow been prearranged. 
We don't hear the details of how that comes to be. We just hear that the cult will be there immediately as you come into the city. And if anyone tries to stop you, if anyone asks what you're doing, tell them the Lord needs this donkey, but he will return it immediately. There's that urgency from Mark's gospel. We feel the story moving forward and we can be sure we're not going to linger for a party if Jesus is going to return the donkey immediately. But that detail matters. It's actually calling to mind Zechariah 9, 9, which talks about a triumphant king riding on a colt, the foal of the donkey. So for those who heard Mark's gospel and also knew the prophecy of Zechariah, this detail would have said to them, aha, Jesus is that triumphant king. So the disciples put their cloaks on the donkey's back before Jesus gets on in a sort of humble version of the ritual of putting fine robes or cloth on the horse of a king who is returning from battle. But then there's no parade. Jesus rides silently on a donkey while his disciples walk alongside. He comes into Jerusalem and goes to the temple and nothing really happens. He looks around at everything and then Mark says it was late, so they left. There's no festival at the end of the parade route. Nothing else happens on that day. We don't even get the sense that there's a big crowd, as there would have been a crowd of people waiting to get a glimpse of any other king. Mark says that people put their cloaks on the road, a sign of deference and respect, and they put out cut leafy branches. We use palms. They spread those but we don't get a celebratory vibe. In his commentary about Mark, Lamar Williamson says that in this gospel, no crowds come out from the city to meet Jesus. Instead, this is a ragtag procession, an entry that's triumphal only for Jesus's followers because they haven't yet understood his destiny as son of man. For Jesus, this is an entry into suffering and death. So this Palm Sunday, we also remember that the triumph is still to come. We're not yet to Easter or victory of life over death. The world is not yet set to rights. Jesus, walking with his well-meaning but still kind of clueless disciples, he is not a conquering hero coming home. He is still walking into his battle with the powers and principalities. So even though we might prefer for this to be a day of pomp and circumstance, I have to confess that in some years, I've even felt like Palm Sunday was a little bit of a reprieve during Lent to get us ready for the last stretch that is Holy Week. But even if we'd prefer it, we can't skim over the violence that our Lord is about to face. For Mark, the triumphal entry gets Jesus closer to the fulfillment of his life's purpose. It's a passageway into all that will be painful and holy and ultimately redemptive about the last week in Christ's life. For us, Mark's description of Jesus going into Jerusalem for the last time is an invitation. 
Not to think of this as a parade or just a celebration, but to put ourselves into that ragtag procession. Walking into Holy Week, the last leg of our Lenten journey with deep humility and hope. I said a minute ago that Mark tends to offer us less detail than the other gospel writers, and that's true. But the one thing we hear more from Mark than from Matthew, John, and Luke in this scene is what the people say there on the road. However many they were, whether it was just the few disciples who'd come with them or also some people who looked up from their work and ran and grabbed a branch, Mark tells us that those who went ahead and those who followed behind were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest heaven. Now, Hosanna is actually a loaded word. It sounds to our ears a lot like hallelujah, a word of rejoicing that we don't use during Lent, but we will say next week. But Hosanna isn't hallelujah. Its meaning in Hebrew is actually save now. Save us, we pray. So as the disciples and anyone else who's coming along on this walk, as they see Jesus, they're crying out to him, save us now. Save us, we pray. Their call echoes Psalm 118, which says, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So they're praying for help. And they're praying with hope that help is here. Blessed is the kingdom, the one we've been waiting for. It's finally come. With just a few words, those people on the side of the road capture the whole experience of Christians. We need to be saved. And we call out in hope because Jesus has come to save us now. A loud hosanna with a palm branch is not just about cheering for Jesus, but it is also about our humility, crying out from our brokenness, with urgency, save us now, for you are the one who can. Hosanna is a loaded word that carries our deep and desperate need for a savior and our relief that Jesus is that savior. That ragtag procession, they don't yet know what our Lord will have to endure in the coming days. He'll be rejected and denied and betrayed and arrested and humiliated and mocked and eventually killed before he will rise from the dead. That ragtag procession, they don't know what role they will play in Jesus's last days on earth. Here, they're just going about the tasks in front of them. Somebody has to untie the colt and somebody has to put their cloak on its back and they're gonna walk to the temple and they're gonna spread some branches. They don't know what's to come, but what they do know is that Jesus is the Messiah, the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And they cry out, Hosanna, save us, because they trust that that Messiah can. Here on our journey, together as a family of faith into Holy Week, when we know our Lord will suffer and die for us, we have a moment to lift up the brokenness 
of the world around us. There is still the pandemic, although we see hope. There's still death and division that have come from it. There are vast disparities and inequities that we've seen more clearly because of the pandemic. We know that within our human family, we don't all have safety and food and shelter and health care, much less comfort. We know that we don't all enjoy equal treatment or respect, that we cannot access the same resources and opportunities. We've lived in a culture of violence for a long time before the pandemic, but this year has shown us that violence simmering just under the surface of our lives all the time. Some of us see it in the news and we lament that daily stream of shootings and beatings. Others live in fear for their very lives, knowing that they could be targeted or even killed because of their skin color or heritage. This week's shootings in Boulder and last week's shootings here in Atlanta and the shootings just in the last 36 hours in Philadelphia and Virginia Beach, I had to amend my sermon to add two shootings, friends. These are just the most recent in a steady diet of death. Unless we think this was something new when it came to our city just a few days ago, there have been 3,800 incidents of hate shunning slurs and physical attacks against our Asian American brothers and sisters in the last year, and most of those against women. This Palm Sunday, we live in a broken world. So we pray, Hosanna, God save us. We are also on individual journeys this Lent. We are each walking into Holy Week when we know our Lord will suffer and die for each of us. And as we do, I think about the people on the side of the road so long ago calling out to Jesus as he walked into Jerusalem. They remind me of an experience my college roommate had a few, more than a few years ago now. She was driving from the Green River in Colorado back to her home in Jackson, Wyoming, and she saw a terrible car accident in front of her a couple crossed the road and their car rolled several times off to the other side and landed upside down with a couple in their 80s unconscious and pinned inside. My friend was the only person in sight in any direction. Of course, she pulled over. She had some emergency training, so she ran to this couple but knew that she did not have what they needed. So she ran along this desolate two-lane highway as far as she had to until she could get a cell signal to try to call for some help. And then she ran, waving her arms frantically, trying to get the attention of the couple of random cars who came by, knowing that she needed those other drivers to see her and stop so that they together could get help for this couple. Being seen on the side of the road was a matter of life and death in that moment. They had to be seen in order to be helped. I admit that I've often thought of the people around Jesus on Palm Sunday as spectators at a parade, but this year I hear and see them differently. I see them waving their branches or cloaks, whatever they had, 
I hear them calling from the side of the road for Jesus to see them and to heal them and help, just as he has been doing throughout his ministry in Galilee, seeing and healing people others would have ignored. If we just go back through Mark's gospel, Jesus has blessed a man with an unclean spirit who walked into the temple. He rid a woman of a fever and then was mobbed by everyone in town who was ill in body or in mind. He touched a leper who begged to be made clean. He healed a man who was paralyzed, who was lowered through the roof just to get to Jesus. He brought a young girl back from death to life and healed a bleeding woman who dared to touch his cloak in faith. Time and again, people have brought him their sickness, their deepest pain, their unvarnished brokenness, and he has saved them. In Mark's account, as you noticed, Jesus doesn't say anything after he tells the disciples what to do about the donkey. He rides in silence into the city. Maybe he's just stoic, carrying the knowledge that only he has about what is to come. Or maybe he's looking at each person as he passes. Perhaps he's watching their faces as they lay down cloaks and branches, and he's listening to their prayed hosannas full of need and full of hope. On this silent ride, our Lord is taking into himself all of their brokenness, knowing that he will carry it all the way to the cross. So this Palm Sunday, I wonder, when have we each come before Jesus with honesty about our need to be saved? Have we been that broken in front of God? Have we cried out and pleaded, God, save me? Maybe that prayer has come as we're grieving or battling an illness. Maybe only in a moment of fear when we realize that we are powerless. Perhaps we've said, God, save us, when we've cared for someone else until we're both used up. Maybe you've spoken those words surrounded by loved ones or whispered them alone in a dark night of the soul. Perhaps this prayer will come to your lips for the first time today or sometime during this holy week. God save us. God save me. Friends, though the triumph is yet to come, we give thanks today for a Lord who sees us there on the side of the road or in the ragtag procession, who hears our hosannas and who will endure this week so that we may have life. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Amen.